I do love and tell them of huh? cheese. I know, it's always better. The best cheese, right? Yeah. You taste other cheeses, you're like, I know, it's okay, them, but it's, it's not the, the same. You like Tillamook. <laughs> but we're also Oregonians. I feel like we're all obsessive of Tillamook. I remember I had a companion on my mission who I was always like, Tillamook cheese is the best because we had a member who could get it through uh, the military, oh. the Navy base that she was stationed at. Yeah. And I was like, you can get Tillamook? And she was like, yeah, it's the best cheese. I was like, I'm from Oregon. I know. And she was like, oh, you lucky. <laughs> so she would get us Tillamook cheese. And my companion would make fun of me all the time that I was like, it's the best cheese. And then she finally had it. And she was like, all right, I get you. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I was like, yeah. It's like, it's like when you've had it and you go back to other cheeses, you're like, Okay, no. Yeah, sometimes, it's just not the like, same. Like sometimes in Tillamook, because you can't find it on spot sale or whatever, and like maybe the bandon is, I'll get that, but it's just, it's okay, but it's just not the same. There's like some cheeses that I'll get like that aren't brands too bad. on, yeah. like mozzarella for the most part. Oh, yeah, I can do whatever with. Yeah. But like cheddar. Cheddar. I'm, that's cheddar. I'm talking about just the cheddar. Just the other cheddar. Stuff, it's like, yeah, you can They're do other white brands. cheddar peppered cheese, oh, though. Oh, yeah. Isn't that good? so good. Yeah, it's good. I love it on I can't cheese find sandwiches. it. I know. You can only find it in, like, the little spot, yeah. like, Or if blocks. you go out there. Like, when we'd go out there, like, they'd have, like, their, like, end pieces on it. And then yes. have that one. I'd get that big, like, a, it's all, you know, mushed up. But, hey. Yes. Yeah. Who cares? It's the scraps. <laughs> it's just a sound thing. Yeah. <laughs> It'll help its smidgen. So. Yeah, we did one of these. We'll see how much it goes. Or how far it goes. I sewed a bunch yeah. of Velcro pieces to it and wow. Velcroed it to the wall in front of the stairs. Oh, okay. In front of that door. Just to kind of cover the Just door. Just to help muffle it a bit more. So, what did you use? A sheet or did you use? It's is a it? curtain. A curtain. Okay. But you could also insulate too if you wanted to, you know, behind it. Yeah. You, you could, could put, put like bubble wrap. Insulation bubble on, wrap like, the door. would insulate. Mm. Like whenever you get stuff from packages, like. The tiny bubbles that just you pop. The jankiest sound I'm just saying, absorption. Right? I'm just saying. You can put that. Or egg cartons. Egg I'd rather use my egg cartons for compost. Yeah. I'm just saying. Egg cartons are a sound. They're like. You get like those. People the ones are going to think like, that we're psychos. You get those square like ones. Like, where they have lots of eggs in them. Oh, you know, yeah. get those yeah. square ones. And like you Costco. And put them up. Yeah. They're, they're a sound deterrent. That's true. Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to my podcast, where I geek out about animals. I'm Nicole, and you are listening to Animal Facts. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. And I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because I just love learning about them. I think they're so cool, and they can do so many cool things. Some things I say may just be my opinion, and sometimes I am misinformed. Or sometimes I am just straight up wrong. So forgive me, I am only human after all. But please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself and I also have the chance to learn from you. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy! <laughs> you just get to listen to me mostly geek out and make comments. Here. I know. You've I know. listened to the podcast. I know what it's you like. You know how it is. Yeah. Alright, welcome animal lovers to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole, and my guest this week is a very, very special person. My mommy! Say hello, mom. Hello. (laughs) Do you want to be known as mom, or do you want them to know your name? Uh, Mom's fine. Mom! She's mom. You guys don't get to know her name. (laughs) Maybe we'll tell you at the end. (laughs) There we go. Cool. Okay, so your personal question is, how did we meet? 
And what's a memory of us? How did we meet? Yeah. How did you meet me, Mom? <laughs> I gave birth to you. <laughs> I thought it would be hilarious because that's what I do with, like, a lot of my, like, Let's new see. guests. Yeah. Like, how do we meet? And what's a memory? And I was like, it would be hilarious if I still did that question with my mom. When they held you up and said, it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true because you didn't know until then. Dad yeah. had his prediction, though. Yes. But we did know. Um, a memory. Well, I have lots of memories, I mean, but I'm trying to think of a good one. It may be embarrassing. Go for it. I embarrass I try, myself constantly. I don't think on about those thing. things all the time, so it's like. Hmm. <laughs> I was trying to think of my earliest memory of you, and I just I don't know. I know what? my earliest memory of Dad. What was your earliest memory? Of Dad? I have two earliest memories of Dad. One, I walked in on him peeing and or like sitting on the toilet and he like covers himself and he just yells your name and you came and grabbed me because I walked in on him in the bathroom. And two, when I used to be like a hardcore daddy's girl and then I like wanted him to pick me up at grandma's and he picked me up and then I realized it was Terry. Oh, yeah. His brother who oh, looks yeah. like him. And then I just you were freaked little. out. And ever since then, I don't think you I was a daddy's like girl. Two, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I was really young. Was I two? Yeah, probably. I, I believe. Yeah, because you were Dang. just where you were just really going I to was people. Two. You were young. Yeah. Well, well, it traumatized me, and I'm pretty sure that's what turned me not into a daddy's girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> up to that point, oh. I remember I always wanted dad. Like I loved dad, and I wanted him to pick me up. And then it was Terry, and then I was traumatized, and it wasn't. It wasn't my dad, and I freaked out. That's my earliest memories of dad. I guess my, I would say my earliest memories of you are that you would climb everything. Oh, that sounds accurate. You would push things up to stuff and figure out how to get up to stuff. And one time I came walking in and you were on top of our bookcases. You're welcome. And you were like, yeah, you're a little human's age. <laughs> <laughs> a toddler. You were a toddler. a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> Learning to push things around, climb on things. Yeah. And then we had to make sure we bolted the bookcases to the wall so they, they went tip over on you. Yeah, we have to do that to, for, just for, for his dresser because he's climbing his dresser. But yeah. Um, 18 month old man. Yeah. You were on the fridge one time. I did like climbing. You, you climbed. Yeah. You were a good climber. Other thing is you loved plums. Plums. And you would, yeah, you would just devour plums. <laughs> Like the round, like the round red ones, like not, not the purple ones, but the, like the yeah, the more just sweet kind of like you know, eating plums. Ate a lot of plums and I climbed a lot of things. Yeah, I'm still trying to remember my earliest memory of you, but I still don't know. <clears throat> I have a lot of memories of you. Obviously, I just remember right? Dad rocking me to sleep once, and I peed on his hand, and he was like, yeah. "And I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> to think there's my human crying in the background probably here's me oh no that's grandma it's also breakfast time i mean yeah you you hated it when i would leave and your siblings would duct tape i remember that i i very much remember like either climbing out of the driveway or like standing in front of the doors and then you'd be like all right i'm just gonna go hang out in the kitchen then you'd sneak out through the garage and then i'd like run back and forth between all the doors trying to keep you inside all right be backing out of the car and you'd be at the big front window with your face and the arms all pressed yeah, up against the crying my <laughs> face off. And I was only going for like 30 minutes or something for some like maybe like a activity I, or yeah. maybe 
something. I always would that go you, grocery I couldn't take shopping you with, me. with you. Yep, you were my Saturday morning grocery shopper. I'd always go shopper. with you to take your photos because you were a photographer. So, like, weddings and family pictures yeah. and senior pictures. But you'd get up at 6.30 with me on Saturday mornings to go get groceries. I loved it. I loved grocery everybody, shopping. All the other kids, everybody else wanted to watch cartoons, and you wanted to go with me to get groceries. Yep. I loved going with you. Well, there's some of our memories. If I think of an earlier one, I'll yeah. let you know. But I don't know my earliest There's memory lots of, of memories you. of you. There's lots of things you did. But yeah. Like making your first cookies were flour, chocolate chips, and water. Yes. In a microwave. <laughs> yes. Good Needless time. to say, we did not eat. We kind of took a bite to pretend like, mm, yes, yeah, nice. But we didn't I was not alone on this community. <coughs> no, Sarah and my cousin was also a part of this. Yes. <laughs> that was like... And my like, brother ate them and threw but up. But you were like five or six. Or yeah. You weren't I remember getting to the primary early. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. You ready to guess what animal I have picked out for you? Yep. The first of them. It is a mammal. Does it have an A? It does <laughs> not have an A in it. Okay. Unless you call it by a different name. So it depends on what name you call it. But the name we're calling it by, which is its more common name, I feel like, does not have an A in it. Okay. So. <clears throat> um, they are the last wild species of its type. Okay. Any guesses? Well, I know it's not a manatee because they don't have an A in it. <laughs> I was like, is it going to be one of my favorite animals? Hmm. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe yes. Bennett, what did you just say the last question the last thing was? It's the last wild species of, of its, its kind. Time. Yeah, of its kind. Nope. Okay. No yeah. They are an odd toad. Oh, I meant to look up how to say this word. Ungulant? Ungulant? Which are like similar to like rhinos. And some other animals qualify with that. But I'm only giving you rhinos because if I give you the other ones, it might give you too much of a hint. Okay. <laughs> An odd toe. Odd toes. Means uneven numbers. Mm-hmm. And they have toes. It's just a classification. Hmm. And then you got me thinking of rhinos. I'm like, like a rhino. <laughs> okay, keep going. They appear in cave paintings in Spain and France. They've been around for a very yeah, long time. That's a cow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not too bad of a guess. That is fair. I do love me some cows. <laughs> I'm just trying to put what I'd see on a cave painting. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. It is not a cow. <laughs> Because I think of, there wouldn't be Buffalo, because it's Spain and France. So I'm like, would it be on a cave painting in Spain and France? <clears throat> that's, that's, I don't, it might not be a big animal though either, so. What would they be, like, hunting? Or it would be with them? A dog? <laughs> it is not a dog. <laughs> uh, here, I'll give you one more little hint. It is in the category of one of the favorite animals you gave me. Just now? No, not oh. like when I asked you for your favorite oh, animal. Oh, man. You mm. gave me, like, what, three or something? Yeah, one is a bird. Yeah. 
one is this now? I guess you gave me four. You gave me four animals. So it I is think it's a, a type of one of those animals. I mean, you can guess horse. Horse. I don't know. All right, you ready for your drum yeah. roll? Yep. It is the Chevalsky horse. Oh, Chevalsky horse. Hey, I guessed horse. You did guess horse. <laughs> so, I don't even know what a Chevalsky horse is. I know. It's probably I was, a really pretty though. I wanted to do a type of horse, like a specific type of horse for you <clears throat> for one of your things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what horse? And I was thinking of doing like a Clydesdale. Because uh, Grandpa cool. used to have a Clydesdale yeah. or something. Yeah. I remember it was really big. We had the, it had like the really big feet. That was, yeah, you mean Ch- um, Chisholm? Kind of a tan one. I don't, it was. It was a lot a of his were tan. It wasn't a Clydesdale, but I it was just a big remember horse. It was huge. He was a big horse. Yeah. Okay. So I was like debating on doing Clydesdales, or I was like, oh, there's this like one horse. I can't remember what it is. And I looked it up, and it was the Chevalsky horse. Are they like the really dancey, prancy? No. Oh. So the type. Of, I'm going to show you pictures. Of them. Right. This is the Chevalsky horse. Okay, they have the weird mane. Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. They have them in Mon- Mongolia. Yes, so that's okay. the, where the A if you would have said if they're the wa- Mongolian wild horse. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen a thing on them. I've watched a thing yeah, about them. They're super cool. They're really cool. They kind of whenever I see them, I think that they're like they look like the horse that um, Sean knew. What is his name? The Hun from Mulan. Yeah, the bad guy. It, it looks like he's him. riding one. Yeah, but it probably isn't because you can't ride them. They're not as not as tall though. They're like smaller. Yeah, so Chevalsky yeah. horses okay, are Chivalsky. what we're talking about. Is it A? Oh, is there an A in Chevalsky? No. Oh. It is German, so it's oh. P R Z E W. Oh, I guess there is an A. My bad. There is an A. <laughs> I have dyslexia. I can't read or spell. I was also. <laughs> but I wouldn't have guessed it with that yeah. anyway. P R Z E W A L S K I. I was like, sounds like there's Chevalsky. There is an A in it. My bad. I was. <laughs> but horse doesn't have horse an A. Doesn't, so no. you, I wouldn't have known the main name. I would just horse. So. Yeah. But you, you got I guessed. I got guessed horse. All right. So, and a few ways you can pronounce it is Chevalsky, uh, Per Chevalsky, or Prezvalsky. So we'll just be saying Chevalsky. Yeah. Because um, that was like the most common pronunciations that I could find of it. And then they're also known as the Acidic Wild Horse, Asiatic Wild Horse for like Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Or the Mongolian wild horse. Yeah, because so. I remember they were saying that they were like, like they're an old breed or mm-hmm. something. They've been around mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> and then in Mongolia, they are called Taki, which means spirit or worthy of worship. Mm. And then, so they are the last wi- and only wild horses left in the world. And the word wild is like, it's true thing. It's not like, because the horses that are wild, like, Mustangs and things in North America and Australia aren't wild. They're just feral domesticated horses. So you could still domesticate them if you caught them. But Chevalsky horses, you cannot. They have not been successfully domesticated. Yeah. So they're different from like Mustangs and other quote wild horses because they're the only true wild horse. Um, I was trying to think where I remember seeing something about them. It was that series i think on netflix heartland mm. no, is that right where the girl like tames horses she's like a horse whisperer no idea i've never seen it yeah 
Anyway, it's there's an episode where they come across a Shavalsky horse. Weird. Yeah, and it but it's very wide, you know, and so they want to return it back mm-hmm. to so they take it back to Mongolia. That's awesome. And reunite it with like a, a band herd. of herd there. Cool. And stuff. So because cool. it was low, and it became it had. Anyway, ended up finding a mate and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. happy ending yes, happy for the ending Shavalsky for the horse. horse, which isn't how the real thing kind of works. <laughs> but we will talk about it. Yeah. So who knows? But, who yeah. knows? But you know, it's a happy show. But it was a cool. They have it was to a, have a yeah. good show, and they brought awareness to the Shavalsky horse, which they need awareness. Yeah. Because they are rare. Um. Okay. They have cousins, which are the zebras and the wild ass. Okay. <laughs> donkeys. Um, and then all horses are in the family of equity, um, which is just a fun word to say. Now that I, like, know kind of how to pronounce it, I'm like, it's like equity in your house. <laughs> but it's the, like, family scientific name. So they all come from that family. So the appearance appearance of the Shavalsky horse for people who do not get to see a cute picture of them because they are a very cute horse. And the mane just sticks straight up. Yeah, they have a little mohawk mane. Yeah. Um, they stand about 12 to 14 hands tall at their shoulders, which is roughly four to five feet or one to one and a half meters. Do you understand, like, hands? Mm-hmm. How, like how does that... You grew up with horses. Uh, well, is it's it a really certain size like a of a hand. Yeah. Okay. But you think 12 to 14. So you think... How many hands are in a foot? Oh, that's true. But it all depends on your So you think, because you said, literally like feet. You said like, <laughs> you said like they're like five feet. So you, yeah. think, you think five feet is like three, for a foot is like three hands, which is about right. So that's 15 yeah. hands. Unless you have itty bitty hands or giant yeah, well, hands. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, but it's like. Okay. That. So that's how but, horses yeah. are measured as in hands usually, which is so funny. But it's probably a certain. And then they're about seven to eight and a half feet long or 2.2 to 2.6 meters long. So they're kind of... They kind of remind me of a fat pony. <laughs> yeah. Like a pony donkey. Pony donkey, thing. yeah. Um, and then they they are smaller than most domesticated horses. So yeah, they are like a little pony slash donkey. Donkey. But they're really chunky. Yeah. Like really um, they have big stocky, like stocky muscular yeah. bodies with large heads, thick necks, and then their legs are short and slender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're like a Tootsie roll on, <laughs> on little legs. <laughs> a little sausage roll of a pony. But they're a horse. Um and then they have a pale pale belly and beige to reddish brown coat that is short during the summer and then it gets thicker and longer in the winter. And they have a dark stripe that goes down their back because it's <clears> part of their mane. And their manes are dark and upright like a mohawk. And then the babies are often more pale and wooly. Wooly? Wooly. Yeah. Like lambs. Like thicker hair. Mm-hmm. So that is what they look like. So cool. conservation. You want to take a wild guess at where they land of... What? Their conservation... Like, are they least concerned, endangered, near threatened? I would say endangered. Endangered, yes. So, the Shavalsky horses are critically endangered, and they are only really found in wildly in Mongolia, and that's where their last true wild herd is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the species has actually been reintroduced into the wild 
um, at multiple sites in Mongolia, China, China, and Kazakhstan. Does Kazakhstan have a Z in it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Their history. They were once thought to be. What are you doing? I'm looking up Kazakhstan. Oh. <laughs> They were once thought to be the ancestors to domestic horses, but they're actually a distant cousin. Um, so they're not actually related to other horses that we know. Um, in, like, a, they were the same genetics, and they, like, branched off. They're just, like, different. Different. Because, yeah, like, they, they said zebra is different. more the zebra. Than yeah, so that. they're cousins to the horses rather than, like, I'm sure branched off. Yeah. Um, so we know this because of some DNA, mitochondrial DNA, um, suggested that they diverged from a common ancestor 500 to 700,000 years ago, which makes them both survivors of two separate lineages that diverged long before horses were ever domesticated. So Kazakhstan is right next to Mongolia, China, right below Russia, and right above Afghanistan. Mm, Yes. Pakistan. Cool. Yeah. I didn't realize Kazakhstan had a Ukraine, Z in it. right by the Ukraine. That makes sense. So it goes across like this. Yeah, Ukraine, yeah, yeah. Kazakhstan, Mongolia, like that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Now you kind of have an idea where it's at. Yeah. It used to be part of Russia, kind of, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Ah, this is why I talk about animals and <clears throat> not geography. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Yes. Did you catch all that, though? The did, horse, the division. Yes, yeah, so they, like, yeah. divided. They were two separate lineages from the original horse. Horse, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and then they were discovered in cave paintings 30,000 years. That were 30,000 years old. Um, yeah. And it was in Spain and France depicting the stocky wild horse, which they were... It made sense to be the Shabalski horse. Um, and then they are actually also, like, there's written references to them that appear in the year 900. Mm. So, like, super, super, super old um, when it was a Tibetan. Tibetan? Tibetan. Yeah, Tibet. Um, it was a Tibetan, monk named yeah. Bodwa, and he mentions the horses in his writings. And then later... Genghis Khan, is that how you say it? Genghis Mm -hmm. Khan, um, reported spotting these horses during his conquests. And then in the 15th century, the German writer, Johann Schiltberger, yeah, um, happened to see the horse in Mongolia while a prisoner of the Turks and wrote about it in his journal. And then in 1630, they were said to have been, like, presented to the emperor of Mancuria, um, some place. And then they, the credit of their, like, official discovery, though, went to Nikolai Shavalsky, um, in the 19th century, who was a geographer and explorer serving as a Russian army officer. Um, so the Shavalsky horses were driven then to extinction in the wild, um, in the 1960s because they were mostly, it was, they were hunted a lot for one. Okay. And then it was also through interbreeding with the domesticated horses that were like taking over their territory as well. Mm. So they were like pushing them out, breeding with them. So then they weren't like actual Shavalsky horses, horses anymore. They were like a mixed breed. 
and then they were also hunting them because they were kind of like this thing. Yeah. Um, so habitat loss, interbreeding, hunters, and domesticated horses taking over their land just pushed them into extinction in the 1960s in the wild. So we okay. had we had some of them in captivity um, in like conservation things, but in the wild they went extinct. They so, went extinct mm-hmm. oh, wow. in the wild. Wow. Yeah, so then several expeditions, so because of several expeditions between 1960s and the mid-1990s, they failed to find any of the horses in the wild, so that's why they're like, they are declared extinct in the wild. But then, in 1996, a single mature Chevalsky horse was discovered in the wild, and then the species was reclassified as critically endangered by the IUCN. So, they were like what, 36 years were, like, claimed as extinct in the wild, and then they finally found one, what? and they were like, what? Where'd he come from? Yeah, how, right. long, how long did they live? We'll talk about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but then they also did have them all, like, in, like, zoos and conservation parks and things yeah. like that and private preserves to protect them. So the Chevalsky, that's where they were living throughout, like, this extinction period in the wild um, because they were in protected yeah. areas, but they're not in the wild. So that's why they were specifically labeled as extinct in the wild, which there are a few animals like the California condor at one point was extinct in the wild and then they reintroduced them and stuff. So, um, so then a small group of Chevalsky horses have been gradually like brought and reintroduced into the wild to start once again, roaming the grasslands of Mongolia and the Smithsonian conservation biology Institute scientists are currently studying the ways to reintroduce horses um, and explore to, like, how they reintroduced horses exploring and interacting with their environment using GPS and tracking devices. Uh, so they are, like, reintroducing. So that story in your TV Thing. show yeah. is accurate. Like, they find them, and they, they bring them. them back into the wild, but sometimes the herd won't accept them yeah. if they haven't been a part of their herd because they're kind of, like, we'll talk about their behavior with like how their herds work too so yeah well like they said they had this one in a show they had them in a pen you know mm-hmm. what i mean and the herd was around them nice and so then they slowly you know yeah that's good and then eventually they got to where the like herd accepted or something they let them nice. them out you know what well, I mean? so, that works yeah. so but, um, <clears throat> but yeah they usually we'll talk a bit more about it too but they were they've been around for a really long time they went extinct in the wild, and now they're being reintroduced back into the wild. So it's kind of a crazy cool thing, but they're still endangered. So they still need lots of love. Um, so their environment. Where do they live? Mongolia. <laughs> yeah. Or preserves. <laughs> yeah. So they were once ranged um, throughout Asia and Europe, but then they were eventually kind of just forced into, like, the last little areas of Mongolia and um, where the Gobi Desert and stuff. Where it's not as highly populated. And exactly. They have the, yeah. where they, that's kind of where they were pushed. So they used to range a lot more oh. land, but then they were like more in, pushed into like a smaller region. Um, and the Gobi, am I saying that? Gobi, Gobi Desert? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Gobi Desert is very different from the Sahara Desert because um, it is, it's only like a tiny part. Like, only a tiny part of it is, like, sandy desert, um, but it is extremely dry, and the region also has, like, springs, steppes, forests, and high mountains, and then it supports, like, a great diversity of animals as well. 
So it's not the same as the Sahara Desert, but it's still a desert, apparently. Yeah. Well, a desert can have Josh is always bushes like, and plants and cactus. What is it? The, I mean, not just cactus, but other Antarctica kind. or something like that is like the biggest desert because of like technically the definition of desert or something. Is. But you'd have to ask Josh. He's the one that's like, this is the biggest desert because <laughs> of like the definition. Yeah, the definition of it or something. Um, it's not just sandy, deserted like, not, lands. <laughs> not as inhab, not very inhabitable. Yeah, <laughs> for humans, very difficultly, right? yeah. difficultly inhabited. Um. So the. Step of Mongolia may represent the greatest expanse and of largely unaltered grassland in the world. Um, Mongolia is an Alaskan-sized country, which is sandwiched between China and the former Soviet Union. So that's where, like, where mm-hmm. Mongolia is, and that's where these horses are mainly found. Um, and then in the lands, they can like experience extremes and summer temperatures that can be as high as 104 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 40 degrees Celsius. While in the winter, the temperatures can get as low as 50 degrees below zero, which is negative, negative 28 Celsius. And these horses survive it. It's crazy. People survive that. I don't understand. They have their little huts. So crazy. I feel like visiting Mongolia would be cool, but. Maybe not when it's super, super (laughs) hot or super, super cold. (laughs) Um, So that's where they can be found in the wild and where their original lands are. But they can survive other places because they're in San Diego and they're in other parts of the world and like everything like in their conservation of like parks and zoos and stuff. So they are found throughout other places as well. They do find which is how I first learned about them was I was watching Secrets of the Zoo of, uh, at least, no, maybe they're not in San Diego. I don't remember. But I was watching Secrets of the Zoo on Disney Plus and it's, um, Cleveland? No. Denver? Columbus? Ohio? Columbus, Ohio. It's their zoo. And they have, like, their really big zoo and then they have, like, this giant, like, wildlife, like, park, basically. And they have, like, a couple herds of Shavalsky horses and stuff. And so it's, like, it shows them, like, when one of the horses is injured and isn't, like, part of the herd for a little bit, they have to, like, get the horse, take care of it real quick, and then get it back before the herd, like, rejects them and stuff. It's crazy. And they, like, because they have to, like, do, like, their toes and, like, their hooving and everything and take care of them. And so they're found all over. So, okay. What do the Shavalsky horses eat? Probably grasses. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like shrub, like whatever's in the desert, like the shrub stuff. Like yeah, shrubs. Uh, Pretty much. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you got it. So in the wild, they will graze on grass, leaves, and shrubby trees, <laughs> similar to zebras and donkeys. Um, they have what is called a hind gut. They're called hind gut ferminators. Do you know what that means? I have like two stomachs or something. something <laughs> I did not know what it meant. And I had to look it up and it was very confusing because I'm also not a uh, anatomy person. <laughs> not at all. But, you know, some people explain it well. 
So I'm just going to read what I found. The hind gut succeeding the small intestine towards the back of the horse is where fermentation of cellulose or fiber occurs. Because of this fiber, um, like the hay and weeds mm-hmm. and stuff they eat, um, they can't be digested in the foregut's enzymes. It is instead sent to the hind gut and processed using the body's symbiotic microorganisms, more commonly known as the bugs in the gut. And then the digestion of feed is in the cecum, 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 and colon are the animal's microbes. Um, by the animal's microbes is known as hindgut fermentation and is a vital part of their digestion. So one thing I read was that they eat, like, basically a good amount of fiber in this, and then they drink a lot of water. So, but. It basically, it basically happens mostly in their intestine, is where makes sense. most of their digestion <laughs> happens for their nutrition. Which is where we get most of our nutrition, is through our, dig- is through our intestines. Yeah. Because your stomach goes there, but then it gets I think it's an important thing of digest. like how it ferments in their hind gut, though, yeah. to get certain things. Just like cows have to, they have yeah. to force it with one of them ferments. And yeah, because they the basically spaces. get their thing from the bacteria that they grow yeah, rather than the actual grass because yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of nutrition in grass but the bacteria that they can get from it is where they get all their stuff yeah so crazy so hind gut fermentation um and then in captivity they're seen eating mostly grass as well as plants and fruits and then they will sometimes eat the bark and leaves and buds as well and they in order to get water they have sharp hooves that they will use to dig I like the ground to get to water. Mm. Don't mess with their hooves. They're sure. Yeah. Dig that frozen dirt of Mongolia. That's <laughs> negative 28 Celsius or whatever. 50 below. <laughs> Should get them to dig my fence posts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. They're threats and predators. They, as we know, at one point were brought to extinction in the wild, but then that one randomly appeared out of nowhere. Um, And that was from hunting, habitat loss, and also loss of water sources because of domesticated animals taking over. But their biggest, like, natural predators are, do you want to guess? Like, bears? Nope. At least not that I saw. Cougar, like mount, like cats. I don't know if they have those in like, Mongolia. I mean, they might Mongolia. have like a leopard or something. Yes, I meant like something. And they have, I don't know, there's tigers in China, so it makes you wonder, right? Like, True. Hmm. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know if tigers can really survive <laughs> Mongolian temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, their biggest thing is wolves. Oh, wolves. Oh, they wasn't even thinking about wolves. Yeah. yeah. So wolves are their biggest natural predator. <clears throat> and then in occasion, like the severe weather can be harmful to them if they're not doing great. And then disease as well. Um, and that's mostly brought on from <laughs> their, gen- their loss of genetic diversity. Mm. So because of the inbreeding, inbreeding with yeah. other horses... And then, in general, just not a lot of them that it, like, bottlenecks their genetics. Because there's just not a lot of them around, which is sad. But hopefully we can fix that. Alright, so their behavior. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what he's playing with. Oh, he's tapping something. Oh, he got into the measuring cups. Oh, okay. It's the metal measuring cups. <laughs> Gotta fix that drawer. Okay. <laughs> 
If you hear a clinking, it's my kid playing with measuring cups. <sighs> okay. So, their groups. As we talked a little bit about their herds, so we're going to talk about their herds a bit more and how their social structures are kind of formed. Um, so, they are a type of horse, so their groups are called herds. And then, do you want to guess, like, how many individuals can be roughly found in a herd? 30. 30. Nope. It's 5 to 15. Oh, wow. That's a small herd. Yeah. Well, it makes sense when you know why. Yeah. But, so, they live in two kinds of herds, and they're distinct social groups. So, there's the harem herd, and there's the bachelor herd. Okay. So, the harem herds contain several mares, and then their babies, and a dominant stallion. So, it's like the dominant stallion, his... Sister Off- wives. His, and the offspring. <laughs> and their offspring. So oh, they get to a certain age. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then the bachelor herds are all of the younger stallions that have been booted out of the harem herds because they've reached maturity. So they're like, you're out of here. Um, so the young stallions. Tell me how they always kick the stallions. What about the mares? Do they keep them? Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll go over that. Um, so the young stallions will only be allowed to breed with the other females in their herd if they can defeat the dominant stallion. But if not, then they're kicked out and then, um, and they're usually chased out once they hit that breeding age because of that reason. Bachelor stallions, uh, adult males will then at some point they will find a mare that has not been a part of a group, and then they'll start basically collecting their own harem if they can be the top dominant stallions. So really the only stallions that get harem herds are, like, the dominant ones. All the rest kind of have to stick together in their bachelor herd, which, you know, isn't the worst case. Yeah. Um, and then the females will eventually leave, like, when they hit maturity as well. They can okay. either stay a little bit longer in their herd, or they'll leave the herd and then eventually join another harem herd, basically. Yeah, and say, do they? Yeah. Yeah. So they don't... Bad, you know, technically. Yeah, that's no. Weird. They don't necessarily... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're horses. Yeah. They don't necessarily, but for the most part, they when they hit their maturity, they kind of leave on their own, and then they find their own herd. Oh. Um, start their own or mm, join another. Mm, so, mm, okay. Mm. Yeah. So, they'll either join another one or whatever when they're old enough to reproduce. Reproduce. Um, all right. So, the Chevalsky horses have never been domesticated or selectively bred. Um, so that's why their demeanor is what they are. Because their traits, instincts, and demeanor um, and their intelligence have been manipulated or changed for any human purposes. So their genes, though, retain some of their, like, original phenotype and genotypes given to, like, which has given us a glimpse back into, like, what it was like to see wild horses all the time. So, like, before we domesticated the horses we have now, they used to be similar to, like, what the Chevalsky horses are. But we've never successfully domesticated a Chevalsky horse um, for any human purpose. So we, yeah. It's kind of like, um, what was it? Great Danes used to be used for like these really big like hunting dogs and they used to be super vicious but then people were like, these dogs are super cool as just like a showpiece. So then they started to selectively breed 
the most mellow, chill dogs, which is now why Great Danes are like the biggest couch potato, because they've been selectively bred <laughs> to basically know, be the most chill, giant, whatever dog, you know? So that's we just haven't done that with Shabalski horses. They've just been left to their own devices, doing their own thing, so they are truly wild, not just feral, um, because... The Mustangs and stuff, all the other feral domesticate horses, which we call wild horses, which are not actually wild horses, could still, they have, like, the genetics to be tamed and ridden or used for plowing or whatever, you know. So, that's that. Um, so, they will occupy areas of, like, 1 to 12 square miles, which is 3 to 32 kilometers, square kilometers. And the bachelor herds will usually be the ones that, like, cover the most ground within a certain time of the year um, because they're trying to find people. Um, so they cover the most ground rather than, like, the harems kind of stick to their own little area because they don't really need to travel super far because they have their little family group already. And they also have babies that they need to keep safe. Um, <clears throat> and they usually will, like... They know where they want to be. They have, like, their favorite grazing spots and, like, their water sources and, like, where they like to rest to stay warm and stuff. So they they have, they have their, their space. Own yard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the winter, Mongolian gazelles and red deer may join up with the horse herds for added protection. Um, especially, like, when winter is long and hard and the horses have a harder time finding food. So, like, they all kind of just join into like one thing um for safety reasons and such which is kind of cool to protect themselves from wolves and things and to help find food and then um harem members are like usually will always graze or in the same area at the same time and they usually rest together as well so they eat together and they rest together like a cute family and then they will spend time grooming one another. They stand side by side. They go head to tail. They will nip at each other, like, in a playful way, um, which just helps to reinforce their social bonds um, and gives each other good scratches on the backs as needed. So that's fun. But you don't see that very often in the bachelor herds. It's mostly just the harem herds. Maybe it's because of the females. Who knows? <laughs> willing to scratch and groom, but the males are like, don't touch me. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, they communicate with neighs and knickers, which I don't know what a knicker sounds like. I know what a neigh sounds like. A knicker is more like a laugh. Oh, okay. Like a shorter, like a neigh. Is like a, more like their kind yeah, of a thing, yeah. like a zebra sound yeah. thing, or like when they're not doing their... Yeah, when they're not doing that. Gotcha. Or they'd be like, like a they're click, shorter. like a, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Well, you would know better than me. You're the one that grew up around horses. Um, and then, oh, they also will do snorts, um, which can mm -hmm. mean fear, frustration, or alarm call, and then grunting and laughing sounds, and then a sharp squeal, um, which is used by the stallions for courtship. And then the stallion stud will, like, the dominant stallion will create what's called stud piles um, of their feces to mark their territory and their harem to protect them from other stallions in the area. <laughs> so they poop everywhere. <laughs> like, 
my group. Don't come near me. Which, if Josh were to poop around me, no one would come near me. <laughs> so, it makes sense. I wouldn't go near someone just, if they like were. A, like animals, like, usually they pee to yeah. mark their territory. They they do their They poop. poop. They do their stud piles yeah. to, to mark their, their stuff. Territory and stuff. <laughs> All right. So, you asked how long they live. So, let's talk about their babies, shall we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I boring you, Mom? No, I just don't <laughs> <laughs> um, so very little is actually known about the reproductive cycle and stuff of the Shavalsky horse because they're just a complicated wild horse and they're hard to study because they're wild, so they're not very easy to get up close to. Um, but the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute has like this research program that's looking into many aspects of a female and male reproductive biology, physiology. Um, and it's become super important to learn this because a lot of zoos are reporting that they don't have the highest fertility rates in their herds of Shavalsky horses. So they have a lot of infertility issues or they just lose a lot of fowls that like within like the first little bit. And that's been going on for like the last 10 years or so. So they're trying to really figure out like what can help them make birth rate more successful Mm -hmm. since they're so rare and they don't know if this is like a common issue in the wild as well or if it's just in captivity they're not sure so they're trying to figure it out um but in i don't remember what year this was they did have a successful birth of a rare shavalsky horse through an artificial insemination that took nearly seven years to complete but it's become an encouraging sign that the number of it's endangered species will start to come on their eyes if they can have more success doing that. Except for it took seven years for that one success. So wow. hopefully, yeah. Learn from it. Yeah. Get exactly. better at it. Yeah. Um, they <clears throat> usually do only give birth to a singer, a single foal? Foul? Foal. I always thought it was calf. It's a foal. Foal? Yeah. Cool. A single baby. Foal. Such an odd word. Because it sounds like I'm a foal. F-O-W-L. F-O-A-L. Oh, F-O-A-L. Yeah. But. Yeah, because cool. W would be a foul. Yeah, so full. <laughs> full. <laughs> foul. <laughs> um, they are born after about 11 to 12 months of a gestation period, and they a have year. to be up and moving. Yeah, a year. No they thanks. They have to be up and moving really Within quick. Within 30 minutes after birth. Yeah. Um, by the age of one week, foals are eating grass and can start practicing their kicking skills. And then by the age of one month, they begin to play with other foals and they're like, which are kind of like older siblings in a way. Um, so like some of the older horses as well um, in the herd. And then by two months old, they are rarely needed. Like they don't need to nurse very much. So they begin to venture further away from their mom. And then by five months old, they're spending about the same amount of time feeding as the rest of the adults, and they can start to drink water. So, they have, like, a pretty quick yeah, don't they? Right. growth thing. Um, I don't know what age that they're, like, fully sexually oh. mature. Um, I don't think I'm they really say know. I'm going to two or three. Yeah, it sounds about right. So, Cause I feel usually like you don't ride, don't you ride them until they're, like, two to three. Horses, uh-huh. true. Because just growth in their bone as long as and this follows like That's similar it. to normal domesticated horses, then maybe yeah. we can go off that. But they're 
I don't know if they really know, but... Yeah. Yeah, but they want to guess how long they live. I don't know what the average of a domesticated horse is. Is that an average for a domesticated horse? Do you know? Uh, I think a domesticated horse is like... I want to say between 20 and 30. Average lifespan of a domesticated domestic horse. 25 to 30 yep. for the horse. And donkeys are 27 to 40. Oof. Mm. Donkeys live a long time. So, 30 to 40? Yeah. They can live up to 36 years of age. Okay. So... 30 to 40. longer than a yeah. domestic horse. Because <clears throat> they're wild. They're not put to work. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, they're also smaller. Yeah. So, they're like... It's funny. Certain, like, breeds of things, smaller ones live longer than larger ones, but then certain animals that are smaller, like, live really long for being small, and, like, big ones, it's weird. Yeah. Animals don't make sense sometimes. Because their they heart has to pump more blood. Mm-hmm. Wears out sooner. That's fair. All right. Cool weird facts. You ready for some weird? Yep. Cool facts that didn't really fit into other aspects of this formatting. Um, they have sixty-six chromosomes compared to domestic horses having sixty-four, which makes it super unusual hmm. that they can produce fertile hybrids with domestic horses, which okay. gives them sixty-five chromosomes. Oh. Yeah. So, they have 66, the domestic horses have 64, they make a baby, okay. that baby has 65. This is why. <laughs> the 66 gets divided in half, so it's mm-hmm. 33 from here, and the domestic is 32. Mm-hmm. So, when you add 32 and 33, it's 35. It's 65. 65. Yes. But That's how the chromosomes split. It's still super unusual. That they actually works. That it works. Yeah, it's unusual. And that yeah. the the hybrids can have babies, that they're still capable of producing babies. Yeah. That's like there must the be a weird thing. Chromosome a gene that or a chromosome that isn't as critical in that the one that gets lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Because we'll talk about it in our yeah. special segment of a different thing that it doesn't work out and it's just like Oh yeah. But it works for the Shavalsky wild horse and the domestic horse. It's well, super weird. I mean Does it work for a zebra and a horse? We'll talk about it. That's See? a special segment. Okay. <laughs> So, that's why it's weird, because it's super unusual that their horse, like their hybrids can be still fertile and make babies. Um, so, they're able to breed and produce offspring, and then the hybrids end up usually looking more like the Chevalsky horse, but that's like the only thing that's like really... The same. I mean, not necessarily, but they look like it, so it's really hard to identify if they're like a wild Chevalsky horse or if they're a hybrid, and you can only figure it out through chromosome testing. Uh-huh. So you have to test the chromosomes to be like, are you a hybrid? Are you a true Chevalsky or are you just a hybrid? Like, right. off- like a yeah, genetic yeah. Are you a hybrid? Well, it's like a horse and a, and a donkey creates a mule. You yeah. Know, so. yeah. And they can make more babies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Mules can have babies. Yeah. Yeah. So it works there. All right. So they... We talked about they grow thick, warm coats in the winter, but they also will grow long beards and neck, like, basically, <laughs> like, these neck beards, like, this neck fur. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> um, neck hair. And these coats are super important because their winters are super harsh in Mongolia, Pakistan, and China, 
where the temperatures can be freezing and the high winds can also be super dangerous. So the Chevalski horse will usually turn their back on the storm and tuck their tail to protect everything Underneath. in between their legs. And then also to protect their eyes and nostrils from, like, anything going on around them to keep mm. their sensitive reproductive parts and everything safe from the severe winds and storms of the Gobi Desert. Mm. And then the true horse um, is not merely a... Alright, the true, they're the true wild horse because they're not a Mustang because they've been successfully domesticated at one point. Um... And then there are two species or subspecies of wild horse that, like, survived into modern times. So, Chevalsky horses are the last living ones. The other one has gone extinct, um, which the other one was the tarpon, tarpon? Mm. Or the Eurasian wild horse. And that one went extinct in 1875. Okay. So, and then the Chevalsky horse slash Mongolian wild horse is still alive, but... Those are the only two true wild, wild horses, horses that, like, made it into modern Got era. It. And then famous ones. I was only... Well, you brought up a famous one from your Heartland show. Yeah. So there's that one. That one appears in a movie, TV show, or whatever. Netflix. Ah. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones I found are the... It's a mother and son at the Smithsonian National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute, and their names are Barbie and Cooper. Um, <laughs> and there's, like, this whole thing about it, like, where they did, like, a Q&A with the person who takes care of them. It's like, what's it like to take care of Chevalsky horses? What does it compare to, like, domestic horses? Are you friends with them? Are they nice to you? And she's like, she basically answers all those questions, or he, um, about what it's like, and... You can read all about Barbie and Cooper, and you can go see them in person at their little thing, because they're in, like, their little pen and everything, so. There's some famous ones. And story time is that in 1969, the San Diego Zoo had their first Chevalsky horse birth. And then, so they are in San Diego. Ha! Um, and then soon after that, a herd was established at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, where most breeding has taken place, and the historic exchange of Chevalsky horses between the U.S. Zoo and the former Soviet Union in 1982 led to collaborative studies to provide information to correct pedigrees recorded for the species, so that way they could like have the right genetic history. Um, and so today, zoo-based efforts to conserve Chevalsky horses have grown into a global management program that continues to provide horses for release into the wild reserves. So over 157 Chevalsky horses have been born in San Diego. Um, <coughs> How many? Zoo- over 157 I've Chevalsky horses have been born at the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park, and their offspring have been sent to other zoos and also into the reintroduction projects around the world. Um, that's from 1969 to present, yeah. or when I read this article. Um, so, a decent amount has been born, but not, like... Not a lot, lot, Not lot. a lot, not like to other pre- animals. Make them, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're and not. they're, like, spreading them around the world, and, like, trying to make sure they're increasing their genetic diversity, and then trying to reintroduce them... But the fact that it has basically become, like, this global effort, like, it's combined everyone together is really cool to, like, save this animal. 
And that's what I have, other than special segment. So, you ready for your last little bit? Yep. Alright. So, they are the last wild horse. But what about a zebra? Is a zebra a horse? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what I was like, well, what is a zebra? Is a zebra a horse or a donkey? Or what is the zebra, right? Mm-hmm. So, zebras are closely related to horses, but they are not the same species. They're both in the equity family. Um... And they can breed with one another, which creates their hybrids called zebroids, or it depends on if, like, it's what parent is what. <laughs> that depends on Between their... the horse, you mean, and a zebra? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because um, they're like a zebra hybrid in a way. Okay. Um, so a male zebra, and so zebroids are like zebra hybrids, so what you would normally call them is if a male zebra and a female horse produces a baby, it's a zorse. If a female zebra and a male horse produces, it's a hebra. <laughs> so it just depends on like who's the, who's the male the mother, and who's the mm-hmm. mom and dad. Yeah. Yep. And then if a zebra produces with a donkey, it produces a zadonk. Zadonk. I a like zadonk, that. A zadonk. Right? A zadonk. A zadonk. Yeah. <laughs> a zadonk. Um, so, but all of these offsprings, so whether it's the zebra with the horse or the zebra with the donkey, none of them can have babies. They're all sterile. Oh. All crossover breeds with zebras and horses and donkeys mm-hmm. have like their different number of chromosomes so they're all sterile which is why that the Shavalsky so horse weird. with the horse and the horse with the donkey making mules is super just what? <laughs> um, because of their weird genetics. Mm. I don't know if horses and donkeys have the same amount of chromosomes and that's why they're successful yeah, and that's think, why it's not as you. mules can have you know, can breeze. Here, look let's look. Can, I'm trying to remember. Can mules... Maybe they can't. Who knows? Let's look. As I said, check and see. Can mules reproduce? Offspring of a female horse and a male donkey are generally sterile and can't reproduce. So I guess okay. mules Don't, can't have can't. babies. So there you go. Okay. Makes the Shavalsky horse hybrid very, even very gen- weirder. Very unique. Yeah. Mm, because of, if they have the same chromosomes, sure. <clears throat> but but because they have different chromosomes, it's, it's weird. So yeah. there you go. Mules cannot reproduce and make more mules. Yeah, it's, it's like, when you said that, it's like, mm, I don't know if they can. So I yeah. wonder about that. So. Well, I'm glad we looked it up. Yeah. So that was, that was it, but. <laughs> Zadonk. <laughs> Zadonk. <laughs> What do you think the Shavalsky horse horse is called? Because they obviously have mule for... Shavalsky horse horse? Horse donkey. Oh, like a Shavalsky horse and a and horse. I mean, mm-hmm. a Shavalsky and a horse yeah. bred together. Yeah. Because they Did have like... Did you say like... hybrid? Did you say they're called a hybrid? Yeah, but what's a fun name for it? Because mm-hmm. we have zebroids, zors, and hebras, and zadonk, yeah. and mule. What would be Shavalsky horse and horse? Fun name rather than just... A hybrid or inbred. <clears throat> Do they have one there? Divorce. <laughs> are we just trying to think of one? We're just trying to think of one. I can look to see if they have a name for it. Well, because you said they take on most of the Shavalsky characteristics. So the way they can tell is by genetic testing. Mm-hmm. See how many chromosomes they have. 
Yeah, you'd think they'd have a name for it, so they wouldn't get confused with the Shabalski horse. I'm not finding anything. I mean, we could go off of their other little <clears throat> Taki horse. What would you combine Taki with horse? That might help. Because then it's not Shavalsky horse. Horse. It's a Taki. T-A-K-H-I. Taki. What's a Taki horse? The that's Taki a, is that's what their they name call of the in Mongolia. The Shavalsky horse is called a Taki horse. Well, you can't say Taki horse either. Because it's like, you know, Taki. Because mm-hmm. a horse is a horse. <laughs> I mean, a horse right? is a horse. And I mean, that's what it is. I mean, the thing is, you usually just say like, "What kind of horse?" Like a, a Clydesdale horse, or a Mustang, or a you know what I mean, like Sobalski. Mm-hmm. So, if they're bred, it's a different type of horse. Makes you want they should have a name, right? If they're not a sh- true Sobalski, yeah, it is Taki. I was saying it right. Taki. I don't know. Because Taki and horse. But what kind of horse are they bred with? That's the difference. That's the thing. Well, what kind of horse is a zebra and a donkey well, bred with? And a, sh- a mule and zorse and hebra. Well, they're all horses, but they're different. Because <laughs> a Mustang is, a they, they have different characteristics. Yeah. Like, like a gelding, an Arabian, they all have different characteristics. Patchy. So they usually call them by what their characteristic, what they look like. You know what I mean? So if they look more like a Shavalski, they probably just keep them on a Shavalski. Fair. But you would think they'd have it so they'd know they were bred with a horse. You know what I mean? So just so a not a true Shabalski. They're just a hybrid. I guess just so. a hybrid, yeah. Oh, well. They're just a hybrid. <laughs> hybrid Shabalski. Shabalski hybrids. Yeah. There you go. That's what you're going to call them. Shabalski hybrids. hybrids. So boring. <laughs> well, I don't know what else you'd call them. It's like, hmm. Because, yeah. Horsky. <laughs> Because they did, between a donkey and a horse, they call it a mule. Where'd they come up with that name, right? I don't know. <laughs> they didn't call it some donkey horse name, you know, like. Okay. I don't know. Oh, well. Dorks. 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 Mules are kind of dorky, you know. Dorks. They call them mules. How'd they get mule, you know? It's like, how'd they get the name mule from donkey and horse? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Must have been something they were doing, dorks. you know, because they used them for pack animals and stuff but yeah mewing around mm. <laughs> all right well <laughs> until next time listeners remember about these dorks the donks the donks hybrids all the things and that they shouldn't have babies but they do <laughs> bye maybe you say don't. goodbye bye maybe they don't <laughs> It's because they're forced to have babies together, you know. Not like they, they would they naturally choose each other to do that, you know? Or is it just because humans do that? I mean, I'm sure they have in the wild. I don't know. Yeah. If they're inbreeding and losing, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? No. Who knows? <laughs> thank you so much for joining me, animal lovers. And also, thank you to my special guest this week. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so I can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. I would love to hear from you, your stories, your experiences, any suggestions you might have. Also, I would love to see any fun, cool art you guys do. You can email them to me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram for updates, cool art, and other fun animal-related news. Click the link in the description for the resources, the donation links to saving the different animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. A special thank you to my family for my really fun drum rolls, my best friend Jewel for my awesome music, and to my guests for joining me in my animal passions. Thank you again, animal lovers, for listening and supporting me in my animal discoveries and adventures. And until next time, bye! Alright, you ready for your last random fact that has nothing to do with the Shabalski horse? Yeah. Alright, the horned shark, which is a little shark, um, not super little, but you know, um, is known to eat so much purple urchin. You know what urchin is, right? Sea urchin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that their teeth and body will sometimes be stained purple. Purple urchins are poisonous. And they eat them like nothing, I like guess. Candy. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, not all urchins are poisonous. Chips tonight. So maybe they're finding the ones that aren't poisonous. But they're also so spiky. Yeah. So I don't know how they eat so much. That they turn purple. That they turn purple. <laughs> they literally are just stained purple from Especially eating so well, many Well, they're of tiny, them. too. So it doesn't find me take too many to turn purple if they're tiny. Not you can turn tiny, but... orange by eating a lot of carrots. Yeah. I mean, you're stained. Skin. There's a difference. Like, their teeth and everything are stained. So yeah. maybe it's like eating a lot of something blue, like blue dye. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy, <laughs> though. But they're known to eat so many that they will be stained purple. Crazy. <clears throat>